How would you feel if someone said to you, Guess who's coming to dinner? The President of the United States? Or for us Hoosiers, how about Larry Bird? Or for you movie fans, Tom Hanks? Or for the baby boomers, Paul McCartney? Whatever the reason and whoever they are, we want to make a good impression on those we admire. We get out the good china, we get out the best linens, we use the best recipes, wear our finest clothes, we are determined to do our best. Now that surely was the intent of Mary and Martha upon receiving Jesus into their home. But they responded in dramatically different ways. Martha scurried about, fussing in the kitchen, making sure that everything was in order. She was determined to fulfill her cultural expectation of kindness and hospitality to visitors. But Mary... She just sat at Jesus' feet and focused on his every word, oblivious to the typical hospitality that one would expect her to offer to a guest like Jesus. No, we expect Jesus to applaud Martha for her conscientious hospitality. She was doing her duty and honoring her guest. We expect Jesus to criticize Mary for idly sitting around, not doing her part to welcome a guest, not being very hospitable. And surprisingly, Jesus does just the reverse. He criticizes Martha and compliments Mary. Martha, oh, she's worried and distracted by many things, and overlooking the one thing that matters, the better part that Mary has grasped. Just like Martha, our work and family life often become burdens that weigh us down. We resent all the obligations. Oh, we thought that this job would finally be the one we were looking for, and it turned out to be this. Oh, we love our families. We would do anything for them. And they move away. And yet, and yes, we sense that something is still missing. We lack that one thing that ought to make life satisfying. St. Augustine, that great theologian and church leader of the fourth century, put his finger on this longing when he famously said, every heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. Martha's preparation should have been joy, a joy and privilege, but she complains about her sister and reveals the restlessness and resentment that lurk in her heart. 
She is distracted by her many tasks because all she can think of is me. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She cannot get beyond herself because she's only concerned about herself. She is busy. Not so much because she loves Jesus, but because she wants his approval and a pat on the back. She wants to know that what she does counts. That her life matters. Martha's complaint reveals the restlessness that haunts her heart. Martha wants to prove herself to Jesus and to earn his approval because deep down she does not believe that she really matters to Jesus. So she keeps on scurrying around the house, trying to make everything perfect, but she can never be perfect. She can never do enough. She cannot even win an admiring glance from Jesus. He ignores her efforts and only pays attention to Mary who is doing nothing. She resents a sister who is utterly uninterested in trying to please Jesus. But you know, Martha is not only angry with Mary, she is angry with Jesus for not giving her what she thinks she deserves. You know, Martha represents all of us. Afflicted like us with the first sin of Adam and Eve, we too are convinced that our lives only have value to others and even to God if we work at it, if we achieve, if we accomplish, if we perform. And the biggest problem for Martha is not only that she cannot do enough, but that the one sitting there right in her home will not give her the credit that she deserves and that bothers her. She resents that. She resents Jesus. Oh, and that even exposes a bigger problem, doesn't it? <laughs> because his house guest is no ordinary visitor. It is Jesus of Nazareth. The one who had been doing extraordinary things and in making extraordinary claims. The one who had dared to announce the arrival of the kingdom of God. The one who had dared to act as if God was his daddy. And he was his kid. Martha? Guess who's coming to dinner? Martha? Guess who is sitting right there in your house? Martha? 
Who is the one with him you are with whom you are really angry? It is God, isn't it? And that ought to make every one of us shake in our shoes. Oh, it certainly shook up Martha. Unsettled, distracted, and worried, Martha got exactly what she believed she would get. The critic, the judge who exposed her for the self-centered worrier she really was. As long as we believe that God will only those love those who deserve it, that is the God we will get. As long as we believe that we must prove ourselves worthy of our dinner guests, we will always be unsure that we have done enough. Will we, all, we will always have to live with the relentless demands and the endless pressure of living, be, living in a world and before a God where we can never do enough. And that is a terrible burden to bear and an awful way to live. And that is what all of us choose to do. The picture is not pretty. Jesus realizes Martha's predicament. Stuck in her worry, convinced that Jesus is the intimidating dinner guest she can never hope to please. Jesus is convinced, must convince her otherwise. Jesus must flip the script. And in his then, we see him doing it. As the story takes a surprising turn, Jesus reverses roles. He decides not to be the guest, but the host. He calls out Martha's name twice. Oh, not just to criticize her, but to get her attention and to redirect it to Mary. Because Mary gets it. She has chosen the better part. She understands that Jesus is not the dinner guest who needs to be impressed. But Jesus is the host who has come into their home to welcome them to his dinner table. And there, Jesus feeds his guests with his life-giving word. Their guests like Mary sit at his feet and listen to his promise. Because nothing else matters. This is all she needs. Oh yes, Martha is pompous, arrogant, and judgmental of her sister. No wonder, no wonder Jesus ignores her. Jesus should have disinvited her. Oh, and do we know not deserve the same? Oh, we know it. There are skeletons in our closets. The failures that haunt us, 
the shames that embarrass us, the pretentious attempts to impress others, to impress Jesus? Do we honestly think that he does not know what we are doing? And yet, however, in spite of what we expected, Jesus calls out our names. Martha, Mary Beth, David, Marsha. Guess who's coming to dinner? You are. Yes, even us Marthas are hopelessly stuck on ourselves. Even we are invited to join Mary at his table. There we get to dine on the one thing that matters. There at last we receive the one thing needful. There at last, as St. Augustine reminds us, the restlessness ends. There we meet the creator of the cosmos. Have you seen those recent photographs from the Webb telescope and those stars and galaxies and black holes whose light we see now that was generated 13 billion years ago? Oh, imagine the universe that immense. It makes us feel tiny, insignificant, trivial. Yet, <laughs> nevertheless, as Jesus speaks to us, the creator of this mass universe, the maker of the cosmos, stares us in the eye and says, Ha, ah, I love you. No matter, no matter what, you can count on it. Throughout the rest of the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus offer himself to those who are all worried and distracted. Oh, and there he welcomes the failures. He befriends those who have fallen flat on their faces. He rescues those who have been left for dead in the ditches of life. And even as Jesus hangs there on the cross, despised and rejected by those who refuse to let him love them. He forgives them. When Jesus calls out to Martha, he calls out to us and invites us to join Mary at his feet, at the table, at the font in this gathered assembly here in this place he offers us the one thing the better part that will never be taken away from us a place at God's table forever
Oh, amazing. Then, life changes. Oh, Martha's become Mary's. And we Martha's get to join Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word, trusting his promise, realizing that, oh, we no longer need to impress anyone, not even God. Oh, oh, our hearts are no longer restless. And Jesus assures us we have chosen the better part. In a world where everyone is worried and distracted, concerned with making a good impression and winning the approval of others, and sometimes even God, we are truly free to give ourselves away. At the feet of Jesus, we live in a world where there is no hidden agenda. We don't have to manipulate anyone. In today's first lesson, we see a powerful example of what such a life looks like. Three strangers come to visit Abraham in the heat of the day. And Abraham has a hunch that they just might have some good news for him. Trusting that they will tell him that God is finally going to make good on that promise to give him a son. He lavishes them with the best he can offer. Now, at first, he cautiously offers them a little bread and water. But then, you can see it. Thrilled that he was privileged to welcome these messengers of God into his home. A meager meal becomes a feast of cakes and curds and milk and meat. That same kind of hospitality and generosity we get to express. For us there is no hidden agenda, no ulterior, no ulterior motive because all are invited, all are welcome. Oh, and as we go about the many tasks of our daily work and vocations, we serve our neighbors. Not with an eye toward impressing them, but with an eye toward helping them, caring for them, loving them. We serve simply because they need our help. That is how we live at the feet of Jesus. There we are no longer worried about, oh, how are we doing? Oh, we, we prepare the meals, we clean the house, we welcome the visitors, we care for strangers, joyfully, generously, without complaint. Folks, guess who's coming to dinner? Jesus' dinner. We are. Everyone in this whole wide world Everyone and everything that even is in that, on that telescope, that web telescope, everyone, imagine that. Oh. Thanks be to God. Amen.